and an assassin. I do not dance. Really? Well, on my planet, there's a legend about people like you. It's called Footloose. And in it, a great hero named Kevin Bacon. He teaches an entire city full of people with sticks up their butts that dancing, well, it's the greatest thing there is. Who put the sticks up their butts? What? No, that's just a... That is cruel. Just a phrase people use. In a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries, one group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Jason Kao. Jeff Mazuka, Dennis Matouche. John Reed. Bo Warbold. Each month, they've sworn to tackle two or three movies and remind us all why we fell in love with them in the first place. This year, we travel back in time to 1984 and 85. You're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. This time we are looking at Footloose. Came out February 17th, 1984. The director was Herbert Ross. The writer was Dean Pitchford, who did both screenplay and lyrics for a lot of the songs. The budget was a whopping $8 million. The box office, $80 million. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes critics give it a 56%. Users give it a 72%. Uh, Kevin Bacon plays Ren McCormick. John Lithgow as Reverend Shaw Moore. Laurie Singer as Ariel Moore. Uh, a very young Sarah Jessica Parker as Rusty, uh, Diane Weist as Vimore, Chris Penn as Willard Hewitt, uh, Jim Young as Chuck Cranston, that was Ariel's boyfriend, and Francis Lee McCain who as Ethel McCormick, who we will probably talk about in nearly every bless you, in nearly every podcast we do for the rest of this year, because she was Lorraine's mom in Back to the Future, she was Billy's mom in Gremlins, and she will be Will Wheaton's mom in Stand By Me, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about next year. So basically, she's everybody's mom. Ren's mom from... Ren's mom, okay. From this, nah, yeah. Okay, nah, yeah, I think she's just like, she was a mom in every movie. Um, originally, there were a lot of people that tried out for these parts, Rob Lowe and Tom Cruise. Uh, apparently, they wanted Tom Cruise for Ren, and he could not do it because he was shooting another movie. Um, I think it was All the Right Moves, mm-hmm. may have been what he was doing at the time. And Rob Lowe was going to do it, but he got injured, um, I think, at the last minute. So they had to switch over to Kevin Bacon. Uh, Madonna and apparently every actress in Hollywood at the time tried out for Ariel. Um, and let's see, my quick description here is it was pretty much every single, I went, I saw the list. It was like, there were know, a lot it was like of people Meg Ryan. It was yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer. It was like, yeah. Wow. Um, Chicago teen Ren McCormick shakes up the small rural religious town of Beaumont when he gets the other kids to start shaking themselves. Um, this was based loosely off of events or descriptions of things in Elmore City, Oklahoma, where apparently dancing was banned for almost 100 years there and was lifted in 1980 when teenagers and school officials in the town were able to argue for a school dance or a prom, much like they did in the movie. Well, David left before the Lord. I mean, I don't know how you argue that. That's right. Well, we will get into the whole Bible lesson. He left and danced later on before yeah. the Lord. He's the new kid in town. And the music's on his side. Let's dance! Footloose. 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 Get back to some messes. 
So what do we think of this one? I mean, this one hit really close to home for me because whenever I'm frustrated, I like to go dance it off in an abandoned train yard. So that's how I relate to this movie. What about you guys? Where did you find the abandoned train yard is what I want to know. I think there's one in Motherline somewhere. Fair enough. Yeah. So this one was strange for me because I knew the music growing up. My mom loved this movie and she had the cassette tape. So we would listen to it all the time. I think I could sing every song in this movie before I ever saw the movie. In fact, I am not 100% sure I'd seen it all the way through in one sitting until I watched it for this podcast. Um, It's better than I remember, for whatever reason. Maybe it's because I finally saw it all the way through. Um, But what struck me as interesting, and maybe it's just because I grew up on the music, so I focused on the music so much, you don't see movies anymore unless it's supposed to be a musical where the song where they play the song all the way through do the whole montage it's all based on that song and then they move on it's so musical it's so like a broadway musical in its build like you you build this scene and you hit the music break which is sometimes very strange it has nothing to do necessarily with what you just saw and then they come back to it like the one of the uh, teaching the other boy how to dance they talk about it. We're going to teach you how to dance. And then the action stops. They jump into the montage. They go all over town. <laughs> and then they come back and, yeah, and it's like that never happened. It's yeah. very interesting. And I, I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to this time through. I remember listening to the cassette all the time as well when I was a kid. So much so that when I watched the movie again for the podcast, I watched it just this morning. And... Uh, about halfway through the movie, I was like, oh, I wonder, I don't even know what I do with my soundtrack. So I bought it off of iTunes this morning, and I had it on in the car on the way here. Because I just remember, like, I think I wore the tape out, actually, because we played it all the time as kids. Well, it's great music. It's fantastic yes. music. So you're the one I heard blasting Let's Hear It for the Boy, pulling into the parking lot. Yes. Okay. Probably like him, I did not see it probably all the way through. I, I do believe I saw it all the way through it, but uh, once again, Mary Matt was Shannon's loves Footloose, and, and I, I was recording the play, because I would do these plays, and I would record for, you know, Buffalo Grove and different places, and they've done Footloose, and, and so that's how I actually got to see the whole story all the way through, like, where it was during the play, um, and then I saw the movie, so I know where it was going, but yeah, I had it broken up in pieces as a kid, it wasn't necessarily a movie that I would have flocked to, okay, it's people, it kind of got people dancing, and I wasn't a dancer, so it was kind of like, I no, categorize it more as the chick flick. You're not a dancer? Uh, no. Oh, wow. No, no, no. Um, see that the uh it's good good it's a podcast hey we can teach you just we can teach you i'll be back we're gonna do montage montage. (laughs) right back here (laughs) (laughs) like that style i think i caught that too again almost paradox like you go through this whole thing and boom we're right back we were and it just picks up where it is and it's like almost like they're playing with time but this morning katie my fiance this morning as i'm watching the movie she goes ah yes the 80s montage. Yeah. <laughs> totally true. <laughs> I was like, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. Anyway, continue. No, so I mean, that that, that was, so my, my, similar to Bose is where, you know, it was, it's not a movie I fully saw. And then watching it now, it's okay. I don't think, I'm like, oh, I'm, I want to go watch Footloose again. And it's, it's, it's not a super awesome movie that I'm going and watching it, but it's just an interesting 80s piece. And then I remember all those songs and the nostalgia comes back because it was always playing on the radio and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's hear it for the boy. <laughs> All that one, I remember that video. So I remember the videos from it a lot more than I almost remember the movie, the MTV videos, the mm-hmm. Footloose video. Everything was always on MTV. So 
it just it's, it was an okay movie. I wonder why critics didn't like it so much. I mean, fifty six percent. It's not a yeah. It's not a it's terribly not a put together no. film. It's just I'm trying to look watch. at it. I'm wondering if it was more technical because the story is pretty solid. I, Ebert, I think I read Ebert's review on it, and he said that the movie tries to do, I think he said three things, and I'm not going to remember what all three of them were, but one was to be a musical, one was to be a teen movie, and one was to be a uh, small-town conflict. Right here, yeah. It says, uh, and he said it doesn't do any of those three very well. Seriously confused movie that tries to do all three things yeah. and does them all badly. It wants to tell the story of a conflict in the town, it wants to do some flashy teenage characters, and part of the time it wants to be a music video. Yeah. And then somebody else said there's not much dancing, but what there is is great. The rest of the time focuses a nice hunk of trashy teenage cheese. Hmm. I think they're like on the council, you know, from that small yeah. town. Yeah. <laughs> right? their butt, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a fun movie. I mean, give it who, a break. Who would do that? Maybe a hit, but it's trash. Who put the sticks there? For the market. And maybe I guess they're saying the characters aren't well fleshed out, because while I think Rin is, I'm not sure a lot of the town's kids get a lot of fleshing out. I think the characters are caricatures of who you might see in that type of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just making Shaw a reverend, I think, kind of just boosted his character a little bit more than just being a, uh, an adult on the town council. You know, he talks a lot about how he's responsible for the guidance of the morals of the of the kids in the town. And one reviewer too said, you know, looks cheesily 80s, but the rest of Ross's drama wears its age well. Real song and dance joy for the pre-Glee generation. So. Now, the one thing about the conflict in the town, that was one of the things that, to steal a line from Anchorman, that escalated quickly. Because they went from being opposed to the dancing and the music to all of a sudden they're pulling books out of the library and burning them. Well, well, that was like, that's a little... <laughs> it was kind of a throwaway comment early about the books. Yeah. And then they came back to it. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure what the purpose of that storyline was, except to show you the Reverend's character, the other side of him. Because all you've seen is the tough Reverend until that moment where he says, you can't burn these books. But you know what they failed to do, they don't give him a moment to tell you why you can't burn the books. He just stops and everyone goes away, because everyone listens to the Reverend. Right. Right. Go home, he says to the man. They just uh, sit, in, sit in judgment of yourselves. You're not here to judge these books. That's not your spot. So go home and think about what you've done. Says the guy who is in charge of everyone's morals, but he's saving the books that these other people feel are immoral. So I feel like he needed a moment to say... Whatever they were trying to convey, whether it was that knowledge is something that should be available, so we shouldn't burn the books, or wherever his his, his change world. came, his change came a little too quickly. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted a maybe I wanted a why is right. what I needed from him there, or maybe just a little bit more depth of the character, because right. I, you know, I um, and maybe that's what the critics said, where you know the movie mm-hmm. tried to do too many things, but it never went that far to really, okay, let's let's have this moral crisis in town. Let's really explain, you know, where this happened and, and why it didn't. I mean, I, I ended up liking the Reverend's character and, and you know, it, was, it kind of showed that, well, he was a pretty learned guy, you know. I mean, he, he, you know, obviously, well, we can't just go burning books. We can't. But then again, like you said, they never explained that. So I was kind of writing that into the character. I was just assuming, okay, mm-hmm. well... He's an intelligent, educated man, and you know the reason that he's against the rock and the dancing is because of this horrible accident, and 
you know, he's just trying to keep the people safe. That doesn't mean, you know, controversial books should be burned. That, mm-hmm. But the movie never explains that. Maybe that's where the, the critics are. Well, and I liked that, like how some of the other characters might have been caricatures. The other people in the town might have been caricatures, but I liked how he, he wasn't because he had that accident, the fallout where his son had died. And to me, that's what I liked about his character was they weren't just making him, he, he wasn't the villain. Like, I didn't really feel like, even though he was the antagonist, he wasn't necessarily a villain because, you know, he wasn't doing this just out of pure spite. It was, well, I believe that this dancing and music and alcohol and all this other stuff killed my son, so and I'm going to do what I can. To, don't right, forget. Right. Um, this is actually the first time I saw it, and, and uh, it was last night. And uh, uh, I happened to see the 2011 version. I was going to ask if anybody had seen that. And, okay. uh, and, and I wouldn't have seen it. Unless it was on an airplane, and I was kind of like, I well, gotta okay. watch something. And uh, and I actually liked the 2011 version. And, and uh, the Reverend in that version, uh, was played by Dennis Quaid, he was a lot tougher, you know, on Red. Okay. And, and uh, I think he was definitely softer in, in this one, in a good way. He's more human. I think in, in the first one, uh, oh, sorry, in, in the, the remake, uh, he played more of the. More of an actual villain, yeah. as opposed yeah. and, to until the change, you know, but but he was definitely more human in this one. You could sympathize with John Lithgow's, uh, uh, you know, Reverend in, in, in this version. So. In the remake, did they still use burning books as the? They twist? didn't really. Uh, they didn't really focus on that as much. So I think uh, uh, when Ebert said that they were trying to do mm-hmm. too much, I think they, they they focused more on the conflict with with the boyfriend and, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, as opposed to. Uh, Books. Well, and I, 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 the reason I bring it up is I wonder if burning books is even a something a device that you would use in a movie you make nowadays, yeah. nowadays because it the wrong generation. Yeah. You know, it, it, back when they in the eighties when they made Footloose, our parents at the time and that generation lived through some of that craziness, and their parents did. This generation has a, a burning books. Why? Why would you do that? You have right. to burn my Kindle. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. It would be more of like internet filter, right? Uh, yeah, widespread it would be internet filter or something yeah. like that. Or banning, you know, more focus on the banning of the books as opposed to exactly, the- exactly, because the burning just doesn't just doesn't make sense. What I thought was interesting that this comes out around the same time as they started that whole process of the adding the stickers to albums for the uh, parental advisory, the explicit lyrics and all that, and you had the, um, what was it called, the parents, I have it written down in my notes, the Parents Music Resource Center um, that started that whole thing, you know, listing of the, you know, these songs and these artists are inappropriate, so, and then I think like Kmart, Walmart, Sears, other stores stopped carrying rock and roll magazines and rock and roll albums because of all that. I think uh, Tipper Gore was one of the leading members of that group when they started that whole thing in Washington. And then you had all of the people from the music industry come and, you know, give their testimony. And, and I remember and being kind of surprised well, and, and being kind of surprised that um, I think they were too, that when John Denver gave his testimony, like all the people in Washington are like, Ooh, it's John Denver, Don, John Denver. He's going to be on our side. And he came out and said, no, censorship is a horrible idea. What do you, what are you people thinking? Imagine uh, if uh, they had Spinal Tap, you know, right. They're big in Japan, you know. <laughs> I had never seen the movie. In fact, for, for the really? entire month, yeah, I had never seen the movie. 
in fact, I think this is the first time I'd seen it too. Yeah, in yeah. fact, I think I kept telling you no, and I think I kept saying yeah. So what's our fourth? Oh yeah, flash dance. And I kept going, and Tammy's like, no, I think it's I think you said Footloose. I said, well, wait, isn't it? Well, what what's the one with Kevin Bacon? Like that's I didn't know anything other than it's the dance movie with Kevin Bacon, and then I knew the song. Um, it's this is the complete opposite reaction from when I saw Sixteen Candles, which when I saw that I expected something serious on a level of Breakfast Club and got something zany. And this, I expected something like, okay, you know, okay, this is uh, Footloose. All right, it's a bunch of dancing kids. Okay, this will be, this will be, you know, we'll get through it. And I was like, wow, this, this is a little bit more of a serious movie. Okay, and I, and maybe because it took me by surprise, I got sucked into it. I thought the Red character was pretty cool. Um, I think what did what did he listen to? Mental Health's uh, Bang Your Head was that what he had? I think so. I'm just like that's really cool because that was yeah. one of my favorite songs growing up. Um, and the one scene that really got me was when he was sitting there with all the adults, and the adults are just, um, the adults are all sitting there, yeah, did you hear that they're going to have Slaughterhouse Five? You know, they're, oh, that's terrible. And he's kind of sitting there, and he's looking at him. And, that's uh, a great book. And, yeah, <laughs> great book. and you know what? Classic. And, <laughs> Dennis, yeah. Dennis can attest to this, is sometimes, like, whenever there's a, a certain opinion going one direction, it's kind of like, I don't like keeping my mouth shut, especially if I'm the one opposite voice. And I like that he spoke up, and then they all looked at him, and he, and he, and he, and he glared at all of them, and I forget exactly what he said, but he's like, no, it's it's a classic, or it's a great book, or did he even say, so have you read it? I think it's a classic. Yeah. yeah. And then they go with Tom Sawyer's a classic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he just wasn't, and I'm like, man, that's, okay, so he's not just some idiot, like, tough guy. I mean, he's, you know, he's got a different, you know, take on things, and I that, that sucked me right in, and I, I really enjoyed the movie, like, the different scenes, and the... In the discussion, now I can see where, oh, yeah, they really didn't explain that part, or they could have gone further, you know, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I got caught up when, man, they're all picking on him. Like, the one guy's, like, putting drugs on him, and then the teacher comes in and, of course, busts him, and, you know, and, boy, they're really they're, trying to see you know, how, how they don't trust outsiders at yeah. all. Yeah. The big city yeah. folks. Um, my favorite character is is actually uh, Chris Patton's character. Like, I, Willard? Oh, yeah. yeah. Willard's awesome. Uh, and I guess like he couldn't really dance uh, in real life, and, and uh, when when he uh, 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 auditioned for the role, he didn't know that there was going to be so much dancing, All right. even though it was called Footloose. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, um, I like the part when the two of them are talking about different bands. And Kevin's ba- Kevin Bacon's like, have you ever heard of these guys? Now is he- you ever heard of Men at Work? Where do they work? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the police, uh, they're right behind yeah. you. <laughs> they're right behind you. Yeah. Right. The scene that I wish was fleshed out a lot more is towards the end when Ren and Reverend Shaw are having some, they had, or they had some sort of conversation. The, the movie picks up on it right as it's ending. I would love to have heard what that conversation was between the two of them because it ends on a really good note between the two of them. I just, I really wish that they would have Maybe done something more with that, right? Or you know, like, imagination, you know, um, right? Yeah, I just, I, I think you know, it's a great moment too when uh, you know, Ren says, "Like, if you can explain, you know, what happened to my dad, maybe I can explain what happened to your son." And just that moment of understanding that happens right there between the two of them, and, and then you know, Reverend Shaw goes on to say something during one of his sermons right at the end. You know, we don't give our if we don't show something, if we don't show our kids that we can trust them, or the only way to show we can trust them is to show or give them opportunities to be trustworthy. How, like, yeah, how will they ever be trustworthy if we don't trust if, them? Yeah, I was like, you know, that's a really, that's a really neat line right there. It's a, you know, just, it, and I'd never really picked up on the line before until 
I watched it this morning, and I was like, wow, that's, you know, that says a lot about his character right there and the journey his character has, has gone on since Ren moved to town. This was, it was kind of interesting, and I, like I said, I had never seen this movie before. I knew of the soundtrack, and I had heard the soundtrack, but I'd never seen the movie before. I haven't seen the 2011 version. Um, really liked the movie. The funny thing about this movie for me was that I remember my parents always talking about um, growing up in southwest Missouri, their town was very much like this, that it was, there was no dancing, you had no school dances, um, you know, I don't know that there was quite as much a ban on rock and roll music, but at the very least, the school said, we're not doing any, you know, there's no prom, there's no dances, we're not, that's against our religious beliefs, so it's not going to happen. And I remember when my parents would tell me that as a kid, I thought, well, that's, that's crazy. Like, how can you make dancing illegal? Um, but it was, I, up until, I don't know what year exactly, but in between when my parents were graduated in the 70s and and now they've since brought it all back. It was probably in the eighties and maybe because of this movie, but, um, I don't know if Footloose is that influential or not, but yeah, my parents' town was the same way as they, that was outlawed. And that to me was just always really strange. Now, one thing that just, the one real flaw I had with it is at the very end, you imagine there's this whole town of high school kids who've never danced before. Okay. And you know, uh, uh, Willard is a good example. So you would think most of them are going to be like Willard. They can somehow sneak every once in a while, you know, across the town. But at the dance, they're just like the most amazing dancers ever. You know, that, that's the one thing I'm like, yeah. come on. They've all been dancing yes. without, you know, when the, when the adults all, aren't around. They and, all take turns at the train yard. Yeah. Doing yes, a pulling yeah. dynamite sort of thing. Yeah. 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 Fight was pretty cool. I was glad when the, when the he's like, well, you think five on one is fair? And then there's like this fight. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Good fight. They're going back and forth. And all those, all the bad guys end up on the ground, you know, because nice jump kicks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. It was like, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. And, you know, but it was just subtle. It wasn't, you know, it's probably building up the, the, maybe a stereotype, but it's like, okay, maybe he's, you know, he studied some fighting or studied some martial arts, but it wasn't like this big thing that mm-hmm. they just talked about. It was, well, he's, he's from Chicago. Yeah, so. that happens. Where we all know crap. We, everybody. And they said it wasn't it based on a real. Well, this, it was loosely based loosely off based of on that uh, Elmore, oh, yeah. Elmore City, Oklahoma. Which, I, when I was watching it, I kept trying to figure out, okay, where, where is this supposed to be taking place? Because he moved from Chicago. This seems like it's supposed to be in the south, but there's mountains in the background. And I couldn't, it was filmed in Utah, yeah. Is it supposed to take place in Utah? Is it? Okay, because I never, I looked, tried to look it up and I never could find where Beaumont was supposed to be. In the remake, Beaumont's in Georgia, I think. Yeah. And he was from Boston. Oh, in the remake, he's from, okay. I, I, um, I hear it's not a big college town. <laughs> in 1980, they got the whole first prom. It was a hundred years band. Yeah. Study dancing. Um, now, one interesting fact I heard about this is that Kevin Bacon in real life uh, pays, like, whenever he goes to a wedding, he pays the DJ not to play Footloose <laughs> because he doesn't want to have to, like, go. I mean, come on, if you're if you're at a yeah. wedding and Kevin right. Bacon's there, mm-hmm. you know, like, and Footloose is played at, like, every single wedding. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you don't want to have to go up and dance the whole time, you know? yeah. That's funny. I like that. I was, you know, the one, the, the, the movie, the part that kind of ticked me off the most is that uh, the mom and him, they move in, I guess, with her sister or her brother or whatever. And I'm just like, man, the aunt and uncle are sure mouthing off to that kid with the mom not saying much. And, you know, yes. like and Harry Potter sort of. Yeah, I was, I was kind of like, There's... you know, I mean, okay, maybe if you think he was involved in drugs and if you think of all that kind of thing. But, boy, if I was the mom, I'd, everyone just, mm-hmm. you don't talk to him that way. You know, I just, but the scene where the preacher's wife 
the one guy got all fired up in the meeting of the church, and he's like, "I," and he stood up. She's like, "Sit down." <laughs> I'm just like, well, she's that was a cool scene. Yeah. She's just an awesome character because yeah. she does that. She sort of backs her husband off his. She but she also of, says, I believed in you the whole time. Never oh, stopped yeah. believing in you. Yeah. Right. She just steers him in the right direction. <laughs> your one-to-one needs work. Right. Isn't that what she said? Yeah. Yeah. Like, wow, that's pretty... You, you're, you're, really, you're really good with a crowd, but your one-to-one needs work. Right. Yeah. Right. One of the scenes that really made me uncomfortable, which, of course, is when Chuck starts beating on Ariel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, I just started... And it's not until I watched it as an adult that I started thinking about, like, what really goes on in this town? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's not going to get questioned in, in any way. That, you know, clearly she's going to have scars and bruising. And she does. And, you know, Ren references it later. He points to her eyes. That still hurt. So clearly she, she has scars and, and markings and bruising from, you know, Chuck having beaten her. And, and yet nothing seems to come of that. In the remake... Um, Preacher or the Reverend assumes it's right did that, and so that's why there's okay. tension there. Um, you don't have the heart-to-heart. Uh, uh, he, he definitely is more of an antagonist. Than, than so it's funny. I, I mentioned I hadn't seen it all the way through. After that scene, my initial instinct was that the Reverend was going to think Rand had done it, mm-hmm. and then that never played itself out. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's just sort of left hanging there. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing ever. Maybe ever another comes thing that, that the critic, the critics didn't like about the movie too is they said, "Oh, that could have been a cool direction to go off." You know, yeah. what's, hap- what's really happening in this town that we're all worried about dancing, but it's okay for some guy to beat on a girl, mm-hmm. but they never really explore it. I did make a note when I was watching it. There's lots of slapping. Yeah, lots of slapping going on. Not a lot of hitting until the big fight, but lots of slapping. And what was the rating on it when it came out? Uh, I think it was PG. Probably PG. Nudity. Well, that's why mm-hmm. there's nudity, but then it, it was a weird choice because they went to the oh, nudity. No, it's, it's rated R. Okay. Yeah. So now I have so the now like use and everything. Right. Too. But then some of the words they used, like she looks at, at Chuck and goes, "You're stupid." This movie's rated R. You showed some nudity. You. Could have done something different. Yeah. You could have said, right? <laughs> <laughs> That'll be bleeped out. Yeah. <laughs> and she didn't name it. Yeah. She didn't even have to go that far. But I'm, I'm watching it. That's like my line, man. That's, that's, so Dennis, Dennis doesn't talk much on the podcast, but <laughs> when, he, when he does. <laughs> when he does, it matters. Just, just suck me into that one. Yeah, I could have said something else, like. <laughs> <laughs> and she just, it sort of took me out of the movie for a second. You're stupid. Really, really, girl, that's the best you got? <laughs> Come on! Yeah, she goes toe-to-toe with her dad all the time. And, right! And, you know, that, and that gets really intense at yeah. moments. And, yet, and that's my point. Is if you're keeping it PG, then that works. Sure. But, but if you're, like, contrasting this type of scene or that type of scene, and then all of a sudden you throw those in, it makes it seem odd. Yeah. It was weird. It was very strange. They actually should actually. I have to. I'll have to look it up and see because there's one thing on here that says. There's one thing on here that says R, and there's another one that says PG thirteen. Hmm. Well, it, that's that's a whole nother. Well, it, oh here, here, here. This one adjusted for the new original. Standards. The original rating it was given was R. It was re-rated PG. 
later though, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. In nineteen eighty in nineteen eighty three in nineteen eighty three before it was released, it was re- it was rated R. Um, it was re rated in nineteen eighty four to be PG, and of course that was before they had the PG thirteen. Yeah. I think now it probably would be rated PG thirteen. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And that's a that's a total sidebar discussion, but how movies were rated and are rated looking back like Kentucky Fried Movie you can't even make these days but boy that thing was a good movie oh yeah sorry to get off on it yeah sorry but the ratings changes over the years are very intriguing to me it's an interesting system and I it's a great it's a great documentary about that the rating system yeah it's called This Movie's Not Yet Rated and it's some guy that tried to get into the whole uh, MPAA and and how they behave like a secret society. It was very fascinating. All that Check stuff, man. I don't know. I still come down to that. I mean, if the parents are worried about it, see the bloody movie first and then t- don't rely on some... Which I'm... I'm you know... Oh. But, you, you know, and I know it's supposed to be help with that, but, I mean, you look at what what do we get all, like, about and what are we fine with? I mean, we're fine with... I mean, you look at the violence, it creeps down mm-hmm. into the lower and lower ratings, but... You know all the stuff of the sexual nature. Oh, we're still very, we're very much like that town, right? Right. We don't mind, we don't mind violence or good shoot 'em up or you know, me least of all. Yeah, that's fine, Dominic. That's yeah, just a little violence, Tammy. Dominic can handle this. But you're still scared of sex, Pat. I'm, I'm, I'm very scared of it. <laughs> very scared. Of it. But we don't want that he, stuff. He runs. Know? He runs screaming. <laughs> that's right. From, from armadillos. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was last week. <laughs> um, all right. Well, like the Common Sense Media, which is a site that mm-hmm. like parents, they have it at age thirteen. Okay. They said a dated rebellion tale, and then they basically say that parents need to know the music and movement will keep their preteens entertained, but the sexual material for family may be too mature for the youngest. Teens will enjoy the energy of it, but the music is dated, and the central conflict, hold it hands or not, is a bit hard for teens to buy. Which, from what I believe, even the new—I don't know if it was the new one or the the new one. Yeah, when it was released. It was actually, I think, did better with the over 30 crowd. Huh. 70%, I think, or whatever, the box office. So the teens really didn't go out and flock to the new Footloose. It was older people who were probably remembering the older I'd ones. Mm-hmm. Which went did it, which makes sort of sense that the teens might not buy this whole... Or in Dancing with the Stars, because that was big at that time, yeah. too. And they yeah. used, I think, one of the... Julianne Hupp. Julianne Hupp was... So it didn't really stick with, like, it didn't click with young people, like a stomp or something else might do better with... And what I'm wondering is, I'm wondering if the new musical is going to bring people back to the movies who never saw it. Because they'll see the musical, and then they'll, oh, there's a movie? (laughs) Wait, there's two. (laughs) One of the other parallels that I'd read about was between Footloose and Rebel Without a Cause. Mm. He was a big James Dean fan. Like Um, I was listening to one of them. And that, you know, arguments have been made that it's a retelling of the story of Rebel Without a Cause, and that, you know, in you know, both stories you have the outsider trying to fit in, coming from, you know, trying to make his name, trying to be true to who he is, and the, uh, and, and Rebel, unfortunately, the tragic events that, that occur, but, you know, you have the game of chicken that happens, you know, um, it's, I'm, you know, read up on you it. You have the writing in between two trucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just, again, it's really, it's worth looking into and, and, and looking at some of the comparisons and that, you know, if that's true, then, you know, I wonder what the next rebellion movie is going to be for the modern generation. If, if, if Footloose was supposed to be the 
the retelling of the current rebel generation and the, what's what's going to lay ahead. It'd be interesting to see if something like that ever comes around again and what parallels they might have to Footloose or all the way back to Rebel. Be a musical version of Hunger Games <laughs> with dancing. With dance, of course, with and dancing. abandoned train yards, and abandoned train yards, and tractors, uh, and tractors. Because we've established that you have to have tractors. You have to have, right. you have to have a game they, of chicken. Did they do tractors in the remake, or they did they a, do a truck race? Okay, okay, that's fine. Chicken or a race? I think it was a race. I can't remember. Yeah, I didn't imagine they would have gone with tractors, but you never know. It was still, well, it's still a small if town. It takes, if it takes place in Georgia. All right, well, that's going to be it for Footloose. Um, Join us next week when we will be talking about Amadeus. In the meantime, we're going to go dance, and we'll see you later. Thank you for joining us once again on the 30-something movie podcast. If you'd like to get in touch with us, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash 30podcast. We're on Twitter, at 30podcast. And just as David leapt for joy before the Lord, so will you leap for joy the next time you join us when we talk about Amadeus. And following that, Muppets Take Manhattan. But I don't really